Holy crap. A new introduction to the podcast. But for real, though, the rest of it will come after this. I just want to thank you guys. Um, all the five-star ratings that we're getting on all the podcast apps is awesome. And I appreciate it when I hear people telling me that someone else told them about the podcast. So you guys rock. Uh, listen to the commercials or skip by them. It's cool. And your episode's on its way. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws... Well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at AssaultLimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3 eqip.com a3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion a lip balm a hair conditioner honestly anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3 eqip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. All right, we are back with another episode of the Squared Away Podcast. And today we have an excellent guest, Ray Harjan. Ray is an author and a cancer survivor, an advocate, a all around awesome dude, Ray. Um, what we do on this podcast is we try to help all of our audience get squared away. Getting squared away is constantly working on your four pillars of, I guess, personal fitness, your physical, your mental, your emotional, and your spiritual fitness. And what we try to do is we try to bring on guests that have excellent backstories and have uh, lessons to to bring to our guests and and just really that overall inspiration to bring to our audience. So why don't you go ahead and just just kind of introduce yourself, and I think we'll just kind of break up the interview into kind of chapters because we all have those chapters in our lives and we all have things to learn from each chapter of our lives. Yeah, Paul, uh, you know, thanks so much. It's, uh, it's like fate that we met together, right? Uh, you know, as you dig into my second book, you'll see that uh, I, I consider, you know, the four pillars for myself, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, right? So this is fantastic. I, I'm, I appreciate the opportunity so much that you and Martin have uh, uh, provided me to, to, to today to be on the Squared Away podcast. I'm a, a writer and a musician uh, out, of, uh, out of Northern California. And, uh, you know, I, I think I was kind of squared away for, you know, my life, uh, you know, I was living in my little protective bubble and thought things were squared away until a little shy of five years ago, I was diagnosed with, uh, with multiple myeloma. And if you and your uh, uh, listeners and viewers aren't uh, familiar with that, it's a, it's a blood cancer. Uh, unfortunately, it's an incurable blood cancer, uh, but fortunately, it's a treatable incurable blood cancer. Uh, but, you know, I, I have grown, uh, I think, so much. Uh, since my 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 cancer diagnosis, and uh, that's you know part of this uh, this second book that I've written. Uh, it's called Me Myself and My Multiple Myeloma. You know, I, I after I was diagnosed, I I had the the pleasure of being you know interviewed uh, many times for some newspaper articles, 
uh, interviewed uh, for some videos uh, that appeared. My story was being told and, and I had a lot of uh, patients reach out to me. It's like, you know, hey, you know, I just got diagnosed. You know, can you, you, know, you share with me? And I was doing a lot of one to one uh, communications via social media. And I thought, you know, is there a way that maybe I can do this a one to many approach? I thought, yeah, why can't I kind of take my experiences, put together in a book? And, you know, I'm really proud of this book uh, in that, uh, you know, it's it's not for me. It's a it's a book that is, you know, by the multiple myeloma community. It's for the community. Uh, I've pledged my net proceeds to the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation. And I, I truly hope it's a resource that uh, patients and caregivers and allies uh, can get behind uh, to understand a little bit about my fight uh, as opposed to a journey. Uh, that's also in the book. You know, some patients have cancer journeys. I prefer uh, my personality just is better lends itself to the fight metaphor rather than the journey metaphor. Uh, but, you know, I want them to, you know, kind of maybe take a peek into my experiences, see how they might parallel their own experiences. And, you know, maybe some of the, the things that, that I've encountered that they haven't thought about. A lot of times patients view cancer as what it takes away from their life. You know, and I like to think of it more as, you know, what, how does it change your life? Uh, because cancer has given me probably more than it's taken away. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but you know, maybe we, we talk a little bit more about that as we, uh, as we progress. Yeah. Let's, let's dig into this. Let's dig into this, this current chapter, this myeloma chapter. What, 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 when were you diagnosed? What, what, how did the diagnosis come about? And did you, did you know that there was something wrong? Yeah. You know, looking back now, you know, maybe, maybe I, maybe I was a little fatigued, uh, but, uh, Come on, I was 54 years old, uh, married, uh, two children, an expensive private university, a full-time job. You know, give me a break. I think I deserve to maybe be a little fatigued, right? Uh, but no, I, uh, and I am a, a road cyclist and uh, a bit of a nerd road cyclist. I like to keep a lot of performance metrics, you know, how, how well am I doing? And my performance metrics on the bike in 2019 were every bit as good as they were for the previous five years, you know, considering my age. And it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking good, feeling good, maybe a little fatigued. But uh, my, my uh, you know, journey to uh, and through a diagnosis came up from my routine blood test, uh, complete blood uh, count, CBC. And uh, I, I, had a, I returned an abnormal value, first time ever uh, on my red blood cell count. It was a little, uh, a little anemic, you know, and uh, through the process of, you know, waiting a little while and confirming that anemic result and then confirming it again and more sophisticated tests, more sophisticated tests. It eventually led me, uh, March 11th, 2019, to being diagnosed with multiple myeloma after a bone marrow biopsy uh, that showed that 90% of my bone marrow was cancerous. You know, so, uh, you know, when I, when I was first diagnosed, people were reaching out to me, oh, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And I, you know, I, th I think I got things covered. I, you, you can't really do my, well, oh, no, seriously, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Um, and I, I, I came up eventually uh, through a lot of public speaking and fundraising about it on, on four things you can do for me. And the first thing is you can do to me is uh, go see your doctor, man. <laughs> my entire thing came about from a routine blood test and 90% of my bone marrow was cancerous. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're not going to the doctor, please do so once a year and get a routine blood test. You know, it's better to be, be caught early. And with my particular disease, uh, you know, it manifests itself in the bone marrow and because you're in such close proximity to the bone, you're inside the bone, it starts seeping into the bone. It starts kind of decaying the bone. And a lot of multiple myeloma patients get uh, diagnosed as doctors try to explain unexplainable bone fractures. So people getting out of bed, taking a couple steps first thing in the morning, suffering compression fractures in the vertebrae. That's weird. That's not supposed to happen. Why? Well, you know, maybe your, your bone has been eroded from, from multiple myeloma. So I actually caught mine early. And believe it or not, 90% bone marrow, that was, that was, that was discovered early. Uh, so please, everyone listening out there, just go see your doctor. It's, uh, you know, I don't like needles. <laughs> a lot of people don't like needles. It's just a blood test. Get your blood test done. See your doctor once a year. It's an investment in yourself. And if you cannot invest in yourself, what can you invest in, right? Uh, get it taken care of. So what are you doing uh, right now for, or you're still doing ongoing treatments now, right? Yeah, I went through a, uh, a stem cell transplant, uh, which uh, sounds all high tech and stuff. It's like stem cells. Wow. You know, that's, I, I read about it in the news. It's, it's kind of a, a marketing ploy. What, what stem cell transplant really means is we're going to chemotherapy the, the heck out of you <laughs> and uh, try to kill as much can cancer cells we can. The collateral damage is your bone marrow. Uh, it, it gets completely wiped out. And so they use your stem cells feed it back and uh, fed it back into my body. So then they found the, the empty bones 
went into the bones, created bone, new bone marrow, and then therefore produced, you know, no, new blood cells and the like. Uh, so I went through a, a stem cell transplant in uh, November, uh, October, November of 2019. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, uh, being diagnosed, uh, it's a, you know, it's a lifelong uh, condition, chronic condition. So, you know, before my stem cell transplant, I went through an induction therapy of, of um, uh, an induction regime of uh, immunotherapy and chemotherapy. I still do that. I, I took a, a daily uh, pill today. Uh, every two weeks, I get an infusion in my, my abdomen. Uh, and, uh, you know, the thing with multiple myeloma is you, you try to ride out these uh, kind of like three-year cycles, right? Uh, I mean, a lot of uh, research has been done. A, a lot of um, advanced treatments have come about. New treatments are on the horizon, uh, CAR-T therapy, uh, which is the next big thing and something that I'm, you know, would be eligible for should I need it uh, down the road. Uh, so you, you just try to, you know, uh, see what uh, treatments uh, work work best for you and keep those up until they no longer work for you. And then, you know, what's the what's the next thing uh, to move to? And unfortunately, with uh, with multiple myeloma and with a lot of cancers, uh, you know, that those advancements and in, in treatments are coming. So if uh, if you, if you know somebody out there, you know, donate to the cause, brothers, uh, you know, and uh, and help them out. A lot of good stuff. And I believe that you mentioned um, maybe I, maybe on your website or in one of the books, the writer's proceeds for this book go to the cause, correct? Yeah, they go to the, the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation. I, I didn't want to write a book, uh, you know, about about cancer and make it a resource for cancer and then profit from it. <laughs> you know, that's it. It seemed. Uh, disingenuous, right? Uh, so uh, right away, I, I decided to do it. And I was actually inspired to do it from uh, from my co-author of our first book. We, we wrote a book. He's a, a, a native of Pittsburgh. It's a book called Immaculate, How the Steelers Saved Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, he was using me as a writer. Uh, he's, he's like the visionary of it, the, you know, the inspiration for it. Uh, and so I was kind of given him my gift as being a writer. And, you know, he turned around and said, you know what? Uh, thank you. But how about if we give writer's proceeds for this book to the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, Hillman Center of, of, of Cancer? I'm like, that would be great. I mean, you do that for me. And, and so it's been cool. We've, we've uh, from that book, we've given them $4,032. That 32 is really important because that's the number of Franco Harris and Franco's on the cover of our book. Uh, so uh, uh, there was a, a purpose behind that. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, find it rewarding to be able to give back and particularly this book, giving back to the community. I, I thought it was a, the, the only way to go, the only right right thing to do. It's bad enough. I put my, my, my picture on the cover of the book. I think, uh, it's, I was, I was, I was concerned about that. It's like, is it a, is it a jerk move to put yourself on the, on the, on the cover? And I ran a little focus group for people said, yeah, you need to put yourself on the cover. It's a personal story. Uh, you know, put yourself on the cover as opposed to some other thing. So hopefully it wasn't intended to be a jerk move guys. Don't think of me as a jerk, please. It's, it's tough, man. I, it, there's, I think there's two type of people out there. There's the type of people who are like, Hey, Hey, I'm, I'm just, I'm just the carrier of this information. I'm just the carrier of, of this story. Like I'm not, I'm not special. Don't look at me as special. I just want to help you. And that's the type of people both Martin and I are. But then there's the people that are born to be real estate agents and have their have their face on a fucking sign. You know, like if somebody hands me a card, a business card and their face is on it, like I'm, I'm out. Like I tap out. I don't care how much you have to do that because you're a real estate agent or whatever. Like that. You will you will never see my picture on a on a bus stop. Page. No, <laughs> you know, no. Buy, buy one of raised books or something like that. Uh, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And I want this, you know, I, I, I want to be this uh, resource. You know, and uh, if I could help some other people along the way, uh, you know, uh, you know, I I don't know much about cancer and everything that I've been taught about cancer has been given to me by others and my support group uh, and others. There's been people uh, that have reached back and given me a pull up uh, when I needed to be pulled up. Uh, but, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm responding well to treatment. And now, you know, this is my opportunity to give back, you know, people behind me, you know, that need a need a leg up, you know, I'll reach back and let me help you because I know at some point in time, I'm going to need some help and I want you to be there to be able to pull me forward as well. What, what do you, th we're all in this together, man, Paul and Martin, let me tell you, we all get something right. Uh, and, uh, we're, and, uh, we all get something. We're all in this together. Uh, it takes a village. Uh, so brother to brother, sister to sister, let, let's help one another as opposed to finding ways to, to not help one another. You mentioned your four things that people can do for you. And one is to go out and get tested, get blood tests, go see your doctor. What are the other three? Mm -hmm. Number two, and, and, I, and I call this the twos, and you don't need me and you don't need a doctor 
for uh, to discover what your twos are. They're the two minis and the two littles. Like, you know, you eat too little fruits and vegetables, you exercise too little, you drink too much, you smoke too much, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I ain't telling you not to have any fun, but I'm telling you, you know, just be aware of what your risk factors are and mitigate them, right? You know, and so, you know, watch out for those twos. Number three, it is daunting uh, to go through a chronic medical crisis, um, even with somebody. I have my wife, Lori. We've been married almost 30 years. She's my rock. And thank goodness she's with me because I don't know if I could just handle the mail correspondence. I'm not talking email correspondence. I'm talking physical snail mail. We, we get stacks of it almost every day. Our American medical system is filled with care providers, uh, payers, insurance companies, and pharmaceutical companies. And you get a ton of stuff. And just try, it's, it's overwhelming. Um, you know, and, and, and I do definitely want to get back to the, the four pillars, right? But I can tell you, <laughs> you know, for the mental aspect of, 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 you know, being diagnosed with cancer, after two weeks, and I was done. I was exhausted. Went out to dinner with the family. And I'm like, I, <laughs> I'm tired physically, just wasted. And it was because of my mental and emotional aspects of it. You know, I, as a musician, you know, it's like those levels on a, on a mixing board, right? You know, and, and those things had dragged down my, my physical uh, uh, capabilities. And I was just, I was exhausted. It was two weeks, man, <laughs> two, two weeks into this uh, lifelong uh, battle with cancer. And, uh, you know, I needed to change things around. Number three is if you know somebody going through uh, a serious health crisis, reach out to them and, uh, and help them. And I, and I think there's really a, maybe a couple of different types of people out there. A couple of people like jump right into the fray. Uh, one type, uh, the second type is they don't know what to say. So it's like, uh, what, what am I supposed to say? And I like to really reach out and touch those people and say, start there. You know, because I'm a guy that didn't know what to say to, you know, like uh, I got burned a couple of times in the past with, uh, you know, like, you know, like, hey, you know, how so-and-so your significant other. It's like, eh, you know, <laughs> we, we, we split up, you know, like, oh, no, you know, and, and I didn't have the emotional intelligence to, you know, like, yeah, that's OK, man. It's But you feel bad and all that. So I would like never talk about people's or ask about people's significant others unless I was really sure that you were still living in the same house and all that. Uh, you know, if you don't know what to say when you reach out to somebody, just say that. Like, hey, Martin, man, I love you. I care for you. I don't know what to say, but I'm hoping that you can help me get kind of get through this next difficult 90 seconds so I, so, I, so we, can, we can work through this together, right? So number three, if you know somebody going through any type of uh, serious health issue, reach out, see what you can do to help them because it is a daunting prospect. Just knowing that people are there in my tribe, on my team, man, it means a lot to me because, you know, like I've said before, I use this fight metaphor. And there's a difference between walking into a fight with a bunch of people behind you as opposed to walking into a fight with a bunch of people right alongside you. Right. You know, and uh, and so uh, it means a lot. It gives me a big boost to know I am locked arm in arm with a bunch of people that are there for me. And the, the fourth thing, find your cause, find your passion. You'll know because it's going to be different than anything else. You know, it's going to be this little scratch that just will not go away. And, uh, you know, find it uh, and, and contribute your time, contribute your money, contribute both. Because, uh, like I said, we're all in this together. And uh, if you need any like a hint or a little inspiration, just go over to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital uh, and check out some of their content and look at the heroes uh, there, you know, that uh, that provide care for these other heroes, these little kid uh, cancer victims uh, that don't know anything else. And I enjoyed a great childhood, a great life. Uh, and these are kids that don't really know anything else but being a cancer patient, right? And they are the bravest individuals you ever see. Their families never pay a single bill. Uh, because it's you know due to the people that uh, that support uh, Saint Jude. So if you need if you need some inspiration, go there and check it out. But find your passion uh, and contribute your time and money because uh, it's going to come around. Uh, we all get some. Awesome. So thanks for asking about the four things. I had to get I had to get the other three out. You you teased us. You gave us I got four things <laughs> and you gave one and then I was like I want to know what the other three are. I was, I was hoping to be invited back to another uh, episode of Squared Away, but uh, four part series. <laughs> so. My daughter's a musician. I have zero musical talent at all. I can't even pretend to sing a lick. What do you think from your musician brain, what lessons do you think came from that? And what skills do you think come from that that have helped you through this, through all your challenges in your life? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, thanks, Paul. Um, you know, um, I, you know, I, 
music is a, uh, a release. I, I you, you might not think you don't have any musical talent, but I think you probably do. Let's uh, let's not, let's not you know uh, you know think of music as just being um, you know singing part. Like I hate the way I sound. I don't listen to the way I sing. Sometimes I'm forced to sing, uh, but I don't I don't ever like to listen to myself sing because then I'll never sing again because I'm, I'm so self conscious about. It. But you know, we, I I believe that we all have this like we we have this internal rhythm section, right? You know, our heart beating and stuff like this. You know, there's there's something intrinsic about music. Most people, I think, kind of have a, a bit of a rhythm going to their head, a soundtrack going to their head. They can connect with, and there's some sort of music that they can listen to out there and, and kind of connect with it, right? You know, it just, it just you know, vibrates through their body. And, uh, you know, um, it, it's, it's maybe finding that. Uh, but, uh, you know, for me, you know, music is a, a creative pursuit. It uh, allows you, you know, me to exercise, like maybe, you know, when I'm, when I'm exercising, something else, maybe, maybe analytical, uh, you know, or what have you, you know, left brain thinking, uh, you know, the, the music provides a, an outlet and, uh, you know, just noodling around with a guitar and like, you know, uh, you know, a lot of great musicians do that. I think most great musicians do that. They're just, you know, playing around. And the next thing you know, you have the opening to Guns N' Roses, uh, you know, that do, 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 you know, and so, you know, you're just like, Hey, that kind of, kind of that's kind of cool. That kind of goes together. And, you know, discovering that, uh, I know I like doing that better than, you know, writing the poetry, which is the lyrics of the song. Uh, a lot of times I kind of struggle with that, but, you know, sometimes it's with the music, you know, you, you start with the music and you get some stuff like, you know, what's that about? That's, that's about a cowboy. Yeah. That's about a cowboy riding a horse through the desert or something. And, and then it, you know, it kind of comes to you, but I, you know, music for me is a release. I think it can be a release for a lot of other folks. Uh, I, you know, I take a daily walk every day uh, and I listen to music and sometimes it registers with me. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I'll be thinking like, man, on that Squared Away podcast, I wish I, I wish I had said something or else, you know, I might be thinking along that lines or I'm thinking about, you know, what I'm writing with my next book, but it's, it's going on. It's in the background. It's going to my ears. And uh, yeah, you know, what? you know, uh, Paul, you, you say you're not musically inclined, but just, you know, take, take some time. I don't know if you meditate or all or whatever, but just understand the percussion and the rhythm section that's going on within your body, you know, with your, your, your heart beating and, uh, and your blood and your, your chest going up and down as you breathe. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a pattern to it and a rhythm to it. And I don't know if you've ever been to like a drum circle or something like that, where, you know, you've, everyone's got a piece of hand percussion and stuff. And the next thing you know, you're just kind of banging around making noise. And then it doesn't take long before you're into this kind of tribal basic human element thing where you're just kind of like, you know, you're with each other and, and you, you, you know, you develop into this kind of like common, you know, drum beat and stuff. And it, 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 I'm getting kind of goosebumps thinking about it. It's kind of weird. I'm getting all kumbaya-ish on this, man. I didn't mean to do that, but you know, I do live in California. So that's fair. And I think, I think it's very much like, um, yeah, you, we, so we have a thing on the podcast because I talk about tribes and our, our tribal ancestry and all that and so whenever i get tribe in martin's like oh there he got he got the word in this podcast so you podcast. beat me to it this week you know i um i like the tribe too uh aspect it's funny my editor for the book uh uh talked me into changing all tribes to teams you know uh thinking that tribal uh, tribe was a bit too loaded and uh and i was like man i'm not gonna argue about it so whatever just do the team but i i wanted to tribe. i i I like the, I like the idea of my tribe too. I like my idea of my team, and don't get me wrong, but uh, it's it's interesting that some people think of tribe as maybe a loaded word. Uh, to me, I I, I don't. Uh, but uh, uh, but yeah, you're my tribe brother, Paul. That's, a, that's uh, the sign of the times, man. The, the word tribe being a problem, you know, like it's 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 not a problem. It's it's how we evolved is in tribal aspects and where we got a lot of our social interaction and where that came from throughout our history but you also you know there's certain things you just can't say because now they've been hijacked by political ideology yeah just about every just about every word you know there's uh, a coin's got two sides and it seems like we uh we spend more time wanting to argue about one side over the other it's just like man can't we just appreciate the coin right <laughs> you know the the feel of the coin in our hand press up against our face on a hot day and oh at least you get a little bit of relief from that coin but uh Seems uh, we're more interested in uh, telling people how wrong they are, as opposed to just appreciating people for who they are. And uh, yeah. I like to think of it like the way that this is supposed to work. This whole this whole system is supposed to work is like a dance, right? And you've got to you've got to 
two sides to a dance and you and you flow together and if we keep flowing back and forth we're we're making sure that our country is strong financially and industrial but we're also flowing this way and taking care of the uh lower people lower class of people in the society that need help and then we're going back this way and we flow and if we flow back and forth we're constantly kind of riding that line and, and making sure that everything is getting taken care of but instead of dancing we're now the boys and the girls on both sides of the room in a high school dance and we're looking at each other like I'm, I'm not going over there and the other one's like i ain't going over there and we're just we've lost the entire flow of the dance that's right and you know there's a there's a, a certain point in time when you, you you sit back and like man i i wish i'd known now what i knew at that uh that seventh grade dance or whatever when everybody was off like man i would have been like james bond walking into this place right. but uh yeah, it's a good, a good analogy. And there is this kind of like this give and take and there's this flow and this synergy, right, you know, of uh, working together. And I, I do love what, you know, what you said, you know, you can working together, we can we can do so much. And, uh, you know, uh, we've, we've experienced so much, I think, as a society over the last you know handful of years. But truly united, we stand, divided, we fall. And when we are united, when we're working together, we stand and we stand strong. And when we are not united. Uh, we fall and we fail. You know, uh, I come from a, a military family. My father is a career military officer, you know, and uh, you it is ingrained with you when you grow up in the military, right? You know, you are fighting for the brother and the sister alongside of you and you have complete trust that they know what they're doing because they're taking care of you. And you're taking care of him and her and together as a unit, you're strong. And, you know, in the, you know, growing up in the, the, the 60s, 70s and 80s and then an army family, you know, the, the, for me, quite honestly, there wasn't racial colors. At that point in time, it was green, non-green, right? You know, like my father came coming home back from Vietnam, you know, facing the, you know, a, a backlash. It, it, back in the, the, the late 60s, early 70s, fellas, you know, we didn't treat returning veterans the way that we, we treat returning veterans now. You know, they were, you know, they, they was looked upon from a great deal of society as unjust war, you know, and baby killers. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and getting, you know, harassed at airports on the way home, as opposed to, you know, you know, getting ovations and things like that. And, uh, you know, so we kind of grew up with, a, you know, like it's the military and everybody else. <laughs> and, you know, you'd say you kind of take care of yourself because that was ingrained within the services. It is, you know, you're you are a unit, you know, you you are you t flow together. Uh, so, man, I, I just wish we, you know, sometimes think back and again, let's stop thinking about fighting so much about like, how do we how do we work together? How do we do this this dance? Sometimes I'll lead and he'll be going forward. Sometimes you'll be leading or whatever. But you know, let's uh, let's get let's take care of the things that are most important to us as a society. And we can. And, and by the way, we'll be taking care of ourselves individually as well. Most. Yeah, I mean, back then, I mean, we used to be able to laugh about our differences. You know, our ethnic differences was a uh, was some type of a bond. You know. Yeah. He used to tell Asian jokes all the time. I'd get called Asian jokes, but I'd throw it back at him. You know, the black jokes. Latino Joe. That's another thing. That, you know, we could probably use a, a little bit of thicker skin at sometimes oh, too, yeah. right? Don't need to get, uh, you know, like the, the back of a dog getting the, the hair all riled up. You know, just sort of like you know, whatever. To, uh, take a little bit of laugh. But uh, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I dig your all's, uh, you know, the foundations. These, uh, you know, physical, uh, uh, you know, uh, mental, emotional. You know, I, I, uh, I. Uh, it's based on my entire career as a musician, you know, as a, as a, a person in business, as an athlete, as a student, you know, everything that I worked toward my life had some sort of capstone event, right? There was like a, a race, uh, you know, a game, a, a gig, a, a, you know, a, a deliverable, an exam or something. It was always, you know, working for something, hitting it and then working for the next thing that came about. So when I was first diagnosed with cancer, um, that's kind of the approach I took. It's like, all right, man, that's it's, it's, it's fight night. It's you know, let's let's go. And it, my diagnosis was a long process to get there. It took months, and it was months of just getting poked and prodded, lots of needles, sticks, things like that. Bone marrow biopsy. I gotta gotta tell you, fellas, it's not to be considered recreational. It's not a whole whole hell of a lot of fun. Um, and but you know, I, I felt as though I'd been like just punched around. A, 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 I know. And it's like, when, when do I get to start throwing some punches? So it was actually kind of a relief uh, when my doctor said, you know, he had multiple. I'm like, great. Now we know what I got. Let's get started. Right. And I'm working out and doing all this because it's fight night, you know, and I'm going to show cancer who's boss. And, you know, that Paul, as you know, was talking earlier, that worked for 
about a week and a half. I knew it didn't work after two weeks because uh, that two week mark just absolutely exhausted. And, you know, having to readjust my paradigm of like the, there is no fight night when you when you battle a chronic disease. There is no game day. Every day is game day. Every night is fight night. So it's not a an, a, an event. It's a process, right? You know, how can I make this a sustainable process? Because this is, you know, my life for the rest of my life. You know, and that's where that, you know, I began to articulate in my brain, you know, it's more than just this physical fight against cancer because, you know, your physical being is so tied into your uh, uh, your mental uh, uh, aspect and your emotional well-being and in your spiritual part of you. And, you know, what when... When one is low, how can you use one of the other three foundations to, to pull yourself back uh, into uh, into uh, a level of, you know, satisfaction or performance or, or what have you? And, you know, the example I give is uh, working out, you know, working out for me helps me feel strong, you know, and when I feel strong and feel energized, well, then I can go to the store and, and source nutritious food and, and make myself a nutritious meal, you know, and, and I, all that kind of helps me feel better, you know, mentally. And, you know, so, you know, getting out and working out, but working out outdoors and kind of connecting with the outdoors and the, you know, the spiritual aspect of the nature kind of lifting that, you know, helping lift my physical, uh, you know, uh, conditioning and, and my levels, uh, my mental and emotional. So, you know, it took me experiencing this kind of mysterious physical downside of just the mental burden of carrying all this this cancer diagnosis with me to understand that there's these different pillars that and I need to pay attention to them and see whenever one is lagging, how can I use some of the others to pull that one up? You know, and uh, it's been, I think it's been a, a helpful kind of mental model to have in my head. I'm super stoked that you guys espouse the same type of thing uh, to your listeners and hopefully they can, uh, they, they're finding the, the same type of, uh, and I think inner peace maybe uh, of, uh, of, you know, you know, recognizing and diagnosing uh, where they might need to be able to get some help and whether they can help themselves or maybe they can get help some, from some others. I'm like, dude, man, I'm feeling down. You know, oh yeah, what do you want to talk about? You know, how can I help you? And, you know, working together to, you know, lift those levels up. Listening to that reminded me of this Julius Caesar quote that I love. It, it is easier to find men who will volunteer to die than to find those who are willing to endure pain with patience. And that makes me think of, what are some tricks and some hacks that you used to kind of face that patient endurance of pain? Because the, there was not necessarily a, this is going to end next week. This is going to end in a month. This is just constantly you need to get up and do your best every day. So what do you think helps you get up and do your best each day? Yeah. You know, um, it's, uh, uh, one of the, I, one of the hacks I like to share is a, a timeline exercise. It's an exercise that I facilitated many times over the course of my career for other people, you know, and it, it's simple. You just take a piece of paper, draw a horizontal line from left to right. On the left-hand side, you draw a little tick mark. On the right-hand side, you draw another tick mark. That left-hand tick mark is your birth. That right-hand tick mark is your death. Uh, now, take a deep breath, take a moment of thought, and put a tick mark someplace in the middle where you think you are on your timeline. Um, and you know, it's, it's interesting to, to, to watch people do it. It's an interesting exercise for yourself too. And, and you, uh, you know, you, you start thinking, well, my cancer diagnosis, uh, it, man, before my diagnosis, I was going to live forever, fellas, you know, uh, intellectually I knew I wasn't, but I, come on, I was going to live forever. Uh, but then, uh, then I, I realized, you know, I'm probably a lot further to the right of my timeline than maybe I was yesterday. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, a, a, again, a bit of a wake up call. It's also a bit of a danger type of a thing, too, because there is a when you look at your right, I mean, that's what you think you have left. Right. But we all know that what we think we have left is not not even close to, 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 to maybe what's real. Out there. Everything can change uh, in an instant. Right. And, um, you know, one of the things that that cancer has given me, as I, as I told you earlier, I think cancer has given me more than it's taken away. It has it is awakened to me uh, to the perils of taking things for granted. Right. And, uh, one of the things I, I took for granted and I still do on occasion is time. Uh, but before diagnosis, I was, a uh, I, you know, took every, every tomorrow for granted, uh, most next week's for granted next month, next year, sometimes next decade, just taking them for granted. And I took time, uh, uh, in addition to time, I took people and relationships for granted too. It's like, man, I, 
I miss my buddy, Martin. I'm thinking about him. I'll, I'll, I'll connect with him next week. You know, he's, he's going to be there for me next week. I mean, I'll, that's fine. But you know what? That, that timeline exercise kind of snapped me into the realization that, man, don't take things for granted. And so, you know, as a musician, I'm always looking for a pithy type of saying to put on the back of a T-shirt. Uh, because that's a way for, you know, me and my partner to make more money at a gig, right? And uh, so if I, if I can get you to spend 20 bucks on a t-shirt, that means I get to eat tomorrow night as, a, as opposed to not eating or what have you. Uh, so, you know, that led to the adoption of a motto, um, uh, if not now, when? You know, and that's that aspect of, you know, like, let's do this. And so, you know, thinking about that first book, you know, my buddy Tom, I mean, he had this thesis bouncing around in his head for 25 years, but he's a he's a uh, biotech guy and he's not a writer. And so he didn't really know how to get started. Right. But he would talk to his friends, his family. He talked to me about it for like 15 years till one day I said, grabbed him by the shoulder and said, Tom, you've talk, talked about this for, for so long. If not now, when? How about we just get started? Let's start typing. Uh, and, you know, it, you know, it's like, hey, I always it's sort of like, oh, how come I never win the lottery? You know, it's like, well, you need to start buying a ticket every once in a while, right? You know, it's like, uh, how come this book just doesn't manifest itself? It's like, well, you, you're probably going to have to type out a couple of words first. So, you know, if not now, when uh, we got started on the book and, you know, 16 months later, boom, we have a book, you know, done. So, you know, that kind of like energized me to like stop procrastinating, stop taking things for granted. And then, you know, Paul, you and I have discussed, you know, via, via email, that has led to another back of a t-shirt saying, and that is punch today in the face. Uh, and, you know, because I, I wanted, I wanted, as I'm looking at my timeline and looking at if not now, when, it's like, what do I want my legacy to be? What do I want to leave behind, right? You know, what, what do I want to show my family? What do I, wanna, I have two children, what adult children, but what do I want to show them? You know, how do, how do I want them to remember my fight with cancer? How do I want them to remember me? You know, this is the guy who just gave up. You know, and, and some people keep up and that's cool, man. If that's what, if that, that's your choice. It's like, you know, you, you don't want to go through this or whatever. I get that, man. That's, that's fine. But that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to say, you know, that we're going forward, man. There's stuff to get done on the timeline. And if not now, when helps me to realize that there's stuff I want to do. You know, what's the things that are most important to me? And then punch today in the face is, you know, taking that, let's not take time for granted, people and relationships. Let's use up today. Right. We have this gift of today. It's beautiful, man. It's not everybody got today. You know, um, some people didn't get today at all. I got today. So how am I going to honor them? How am I going to honor myself uh, by, by fully utilizing today? You know, what, what do, what's most important to me? What, what do I need to get accomplished? I was thinking about my buddy Martin, but I was putting it off last week. I'm, how about just a quick text message? How you doing, bro? I love you, man. Uh, maybe call him or something like that. You, you want to write a book? Great. You want to write some music? Fantastic. You want to paint the house? Whatever. Use up today. Every last second. Squeeze it out, right? Punch today in the face. Let today know that you are on this planet, that you saw it and that you used it. And then when you're laying in bed tonight, kind of lean over, look over at tomorrow's direction and say, coming for you next. I love the idea behind the book immaculate um it's it's almost like it's like a like a comeback story but for an entire city and i yeah. feel like i feel like it's set up to be made into like a movie so you know what i mean like it would it wouldn't be about the it wouldn't be about the actual city it would be probably be about some individual families or something but just why don't you give the backstory on what the, what his thesis was and how that came about in the book, because I just, I love the entire part of that story. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Pittsburgh, just like uh, it's Rust Belt cousins, Detroit, and, you know, Cleveland, Buffalo, you know, had a century and a half of prosperity, you know, some families very prosperous, but for everybody in the area, middle-class may not have been healthy work, but they were, providing for their families and, you know, getting college educations for the kids and stuff like that. You know, the, being a mill town was not the worst thing in the world for 150 years. Then it was about the worst thing in the world. You know, it, uh, around 1975, they, they were, you know, forced to go into a, a different direction, right? Through a variety of factors, uh, a whole bunch of this is almost like a perfect storm of how to sabotage an industrialized city. And, you know, if you look at uh, Pittsburgh now, you know, it came through a, a painful period of deindustrialization transformation. It came out smelling like a rose. You know, Pittsburgh is 
always shows up on these uh, lists of most livable cities and, and the like. Around the globe, they're recognized as uh, leaders in academia, uh, medical research, healthcare, um, uh, technology, robotics. Uh, you know, they've got a lot going for them, particularly in comparison to, to Detroit, Cleveland, Buffalo. They're still kind of struggling, as, as I say, trying to find out what's their role in the new economy. And so, you know, Tom thought, you know, the, the reason that we got through all this as a city was because of the Steelers. You know, prior from 1933 to 1971, the Pittsburgh Steelers were probably the worst franchise in professional football. They were horrible. All of a sudden, 1972 comes about. They weren't horrible. They're pretty good. You know, and that was caps, the, the capstone of that. And the most memorable thing was that immaculate reception, that, that reception from, uh, from Franco Harris uh, on a fourth down uh, from uh, Terry Bradshaw that beat the Raiders in a playoff game. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he, Tom, you know, thinks that, you know, uh, you know, when the city of Pittsburgh needed its heroes, they were able to find their heroes in this unlikely source and this team that's kind of built after them, gritty, you know, blue collar, you know, bring your lunch pail to work type of people. Was, was, they were very much a reflection of the city's ethos. Right. And they showed them how to win and showed them how to, they gave them, gave them something to hold on to. Now, a lot of people had to leave Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh shrunk as a city. So they were, you know, while, the, while Pittsburgh came out the other side, you know, some people had to move. They moved to Atlanta. You know, the Steelers have this big national presence. That's because there's a lot of Pittsburghers living like in Atlanta, D.C., Baltimore, uh, places like that. They moved elsewhere. Uh, you, you go see a Steeler game anywhere on the road. And, you know, there's a good 30 to 50 percent of people wearing terrible, <laughs> waving terrible towels. Uh, but, you know, having that uh, that resilience and that perseverance and that stubbornness maybe like we're not going away but we got to change and so you know they've evolved into this this new economy city and you know some people have talked about it you know we've talked to a filmmaker his name's jim uh, uh fabio you know it's like you know this would make perhaps you know an interesting documentary i do like your suggestion paul of like you know you know interweaving you know some of the family stories whether it's a family of you know maybe someone like dana harris uh, franco harris's widow uh, you know, and, and then just, you know, other families, Milltown families, you know, uh, Tom grew up with all these people, you know, his dad worked for U.S. Steel, uh, you know, his dad lost his job and forced into early retirement at his age, uh, you know, when, when U.S. Steel, you know, really became something other than a steel company. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I appreciate the idea that you think that, that the story is good enough uh, for a book. It's a book that I'm uh, good enough for a movie. It's a book I'm, I'm proud of. It's I learned so much as a non-Yinzer, as a non-Pittsburgh guy. Um, and, uh, and researching and writing. It was, it's an interesting book that, that I'm proud of. I almost see it as a, I almost see it as like a Rocky Balboa style drama, right? Like it's the drama of the families that are looking to the football team to inspire them to keep going and to keep fighting and to come out the other side better, you know? And if you, if you had that story of one of those families or if multiples of those families that did come out stronger and how the Steelers, you know, in that time really inspired them to keep going that that that's that's how i vision it when i when i was thinking about it in my head one of the ideas that we've had is to write a book uh, about franco harris and have to have some of these stories uh you know from the people that he impacted he was such a um he was such a uh man of the community you know he he lived and died in pittsburgh uh, and it was, uh, uh, Tom and I cherish this picture that we have. We never got a chance to meet Franco, uh, but we cherish this picture we have. It's a little bit of out of focus, but if you go to the, the book's Instagram page, you can check it out, uh, or the book's uh, Facebook page. It's him holding our book. And uh, his widow, Dana, uh, who uh, Tom now is like friends with, uh, you know, he, he, con- he connects with her on a, on a, on a regular basis. No, she, she said she said he didn't read it, but she read it to him, you know, parts of it, you know, particularly the, the ending of the book. And uh, and he liked it. And it means the world to us that he liked it. Right. You know, uh, but, uh, you know, we were thinking about like, you know, wouldn't it be cool to have a book, maybe like 32 stories, you know, of, uh, you know, interactions of Franco and how Franco impacted, you know, the city, uh, you know, families or whatever. But from that personal perspective, you know, so, if you know, you know, Paul's from, uh, you know, from Pittsburgh, you know, what? What did, what did Franco Harris mean to you and in, in a collection of those stories? So that's, that's one thing that we're bouncing around. I, mean, I like the movie idea. We're going to, we'll have to rope you into some conversations, Paul, make you an executive producer right. of it. Huh? Right. Um, what do you think you got out of your, your military childhood that helped you through all these struggles? Uh, you know, I, uh, it's, uh, not to, to shy away from a, a struggle. You know, there's, uh, there's a continuing type of, uh, to, to go forward. I have this, I don't know, you know, I was 
I was taught a long time ago in biology that you're either growing or you're dying. And that's not necessarily true uh, in the biological world, but there is a lot of you know, biological aspects of that. There's like a tree is either growing or it's dying or, or what have you. And, you know, so that's, you know, for me, I, I feel as though there's, you know, I, I, I got to keep going forward, right? You know, I, I got to I gotta keep like, keep pressing forward. There's, there's no giving up. There's, you know, there's what's next and, you know, maybe I have to pivot and change and do stuff, but, you know, try to go forward. And, you know, when I was re, uh, recovering from my stem cell transplant, I was introduced to something called the thousand mile challenge. Uh, as a friend of mine posted this on, uh, on, uh, on Facebook, she, she, her new year's resolutions were two. One was like the no one year, no beer. And the other one was this thousand mile challenge. And I'm like one year, no beer. I'm out. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go a whole year without beer. I, I'll, I, I, oddly enough, I just recently went through uh, a dry January, and I can't believe how long January is, man. <laughs> My suggestion for next year is dry February because it's uh, two or three less days. But uh, but I was like, man, the, the one year no beer, I, I, I can't do that. But what's this thousand mile challenge? And that, the whole idea is to walk one thousand miles a, a year. And so you look it up, and that's two point seven four miles a day. I'm like two point seven four miles. That's no problem. Thing is, I didn't see this post until like, you know, deep into October, uh, deep into February. So I had some catching up to do, but I did, I caught up in that first year, you know, um, uh, a walk-in, I, I got that thousand miles, but now it's, a, I got a thousand. Well, I, I'm either growing or I'm dying. I, I got to go forward. So it's not, you know, last year I ended up with 12,000, uh, 1,204 miles. Uh, and so now it's a thousand mile challenge to, for me, it's a twelve hundred. 1200 mile challenge, but I got to keep going forward. Got to set my bars, set my goals, you know, achieve those goals. And I think, you know, you know, having that military uh, influence in my life, you know, there's a, there's a couple of things, you know, there's that unity, right? You can't do it alone. And if you go off, off mission, uh, you know, that's, that imperils everybody. Right. And then there's that mission focus. What are you, what are you trying, what, what you in, in the army, in the military, it's what you have to get done. You know, this is, this is what you have to get done. And the other things become distractions and noise. And we, you know, we have a society that's filled with noise. There's a whole bunch of stuff that comes in, just even mobile phones, you know, giving you notifications. So that's noise. It gets you away from, you know, sometimes you got to knuckle down mission focus. What, where are we going? What am I, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like right now, you know, if, I, if I'm working out, you know, let's get that workout done. That's my mission right now. I don't need to be sitting on a, the machine at the gym, thumbing my way through uh, my Instagram feed. Uh, that's, that's one of my pet peeves, man. It seems like the young dudes these days at the gym don't know what working out is. It's like, you're, you're either work, you're either working or you're surfing uh, online, but you can't do both. Oh, I'm resting. You're not resting. You know, rest is for the night, you know, hit it, go hit this one, hit that one, come back to this one, but sitting there flipping through, you know, seeing what supermodels is doing or eating for breakfast or whatever, Instagram feed, that's noise, mission focus, man, mission forward. Uh, go forward, and then you know. Don't forget that that you need to do your role in your in your team. Because if you don't do your role in your team, that endangers everybody uh, to get the, the mission accomplished. Right. So if we're all in this together. <laughs> what do I got to do? Forward, grow or die. I love that. You know, we we talk a lot about kind of that looking at your own day, looking at your own week, looking at your own month, and figuring out like you said, the distractions, where are those distractions coming from? If you looked at your, you know, your Monday, Monday, when you, when you laid in bed, you thought, all right, what, what did I do today with my time? All right. I got up at this time. I got ready. I went to the gym. I worked out. I ate breakfast. I ate food. Like if you actually broke your day down to like, what of the hours were you wasting? And then fix that as much as you can for the next day. Right. And then fix that as much as you can for the next day. And it's that, it's that small incremental improvement over time that all of a sudden it's a year down the road and it's, you're not trying, you're habitually achieving more because you've improved your output. Yeah. And I, I like a couple of things you said there. One, one is that like, you know, slowly and incrementally, Hey, up, up, give yourself a break, right? You know, you're trying to make some changes in your life. Take the first step, right? You're, you're not going to go from here to there. You know, one of the things that you know, sometimes frustrates me is that, you know, people who have, you know, want to lose weight. I'm going to, I'm 25 pounds overweight. I'm going to, I need to lose 25 pounds. It's like, 
no, you don't need to lose 25 pounds. Like, well, how about focus on losing that first pound, right? You know, it's like, uh, you know, you, you, get, you didn't gain 25 pounds overnight. You're not going to lose it 25. Don't get discouraged when after one month, you've only lost two pounds. But you know what? In a year, losing two pounds a month, you just lost 24 pounds. So you're right there, right? You know, give yourself a break. Know that it, it, it takes some steps. You know, it, it takes some processes. You know, I, I used when I got, I got that timeline exercise I told you about, I, I, I discovered that through being a facilitator for a Franklin Covey course. Uh, Stephen Covey's the guy who wrote the seven habits of highly effective oh, yeah. people. And, you know, he, he merged his company with, uh, with uh, the Franklin Daytimer Planner Company. And so I, I used to facilitate this course. Uh, it's changed its names over the years, but what matters most and first things first, but it's time management, right? You know, and, and the key to, you know, coming up with a list, you know, even if it's 15 minutes, you're wasting 15 minutes of just what, what do I need to do tomorrow or, you know, kind of plan these things out. But one of the things that we used to show at a, a, a very kind of physical reminder was a, a, a little clip from a seminar that he uh, that Franklin Cover, Covey was giving. And he, he had a woman come up from the audience and there was a, a clear, transparent bucket. And, uh, and then there were all these, you know, you know, in, in this bucket was just a bunch of gravel. And then off to the side were these big rocks. And on the rocks were painted things like, you know, like a big project at work, you know, vacation, you know, uh, all these things that are like these big important stuff and and but the 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 week the year the day or whatever that was represented by the bucket and she's trying to squeeze you know these rocks in and pushing these rocks in and you know trying to get everything in and she has to make these difficult choices either or so it's like well and one of them was she had to take her vacation now big rock vacation you know and oh man that was important right you know but this is something you know taking vacation up that doesn't work so She's struggling with it and, and you know, it's, it, you're beginning to see like, oh, wow, this, this is never going to happen. He's like, oh, well, hold on a second. What if we got a new bucket here? Try putting your big rocks in first. So she puts all the big rocks in, including her vacation. And then she takes the, the, the other bucket, all the minutia, all the noise, all this other crap, pours that in, kind of shifts around and fits and everything fits. Right. So, you know, the, the, the message was plan out your big rocks. What are the things? Identify the things that are most important to you. Plan that around. All the little stuff, man, it's still going to get done. It's just going to fall into place, right? Don't start with the little stuff. You wake up in the morning, you want to punch today in the face. I'm going to start with the little stuff. No, start with your big rocks. Get your big rocks done. You'll be surprised. All the little stuff is going to fit in as well. And, and you know, every once in a while, I like to think back to that metaphor. Well, you know, what are my big rocks? Uh, and if you have trouble identifying your big rocks, uh, the, I think the easiest thing to do is just ask this uh, or say this to yourself. One day I'm going to dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and for everybody else, that dot, dot, dot is different. Uh, but once you can identify that and then start putting some deadlines to it, what, what, what is one day? You know, one day I am going to paint my living room. You know what? That one day is going to be next Saturday. Uh, what do I need to do to paint next Saturday? Well, I need to get some paint. There's your list is starting to form right now. I need to get some paint, I need to get some brush, I need to get some drop cloths, etc. I'm going to clear out Saturday's schedule. We're going to paint it, get it done, you know. Uh, the tagline in that uh, Franklin Covey course is, uh, you know, dreams are the deadline. That's what goals are. Uh, I don't know if your dream is to paint your living room or whatever, but you, you get the you get the analogy. Right? One day I'm going to, uh, one day I'm going to renovate a 1972 square body uh, Chevy pickup truck or whatever. Uh, but first thing you need to do, you need to buy yourself a 1972 square body <laughs> Chevy pickup truck and uh, and get going. So uh, I, I like to think back to that uh, that big rock thing. Get those priorities done first. Identify what those priorities are and start let's start working on on achieving that today. I like that. I think everybody that's listening right now should pause and write down one day I am going to and then fill the son of a bitch in. And I, I yeah, love that. That's a great uh, tech. And then just recognize, you know, and give, and as you were saying, give yourself a break too. you know, like maybe you do spend a little bit too much time today, just sitting on the couch. It's okay. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, but just recognize if you're able to recognize that fact, like, you know, I am, I am wasting, I'm playing call of duty six hours a day. Could you get the same amount of enjoyment of doing that one hour a day? And, uh, and then, and then get into some of your other things. So, uh, you know, give yourself a bit of a break. We're human, man. We're not going to change completely overnight, but you know, as, as Franklin Covey, uh, said during that time management thing, it takes three weeks to, uh, establish a productive habit, right? You know, if you can do something, if you can just maintain the discipline to do things, do things the way that you want them done for three weeks, then, you know, next thing you know, it becomes this good habit. It's ingrained with you, right? So if it's, 
if it's eating better, try eating better for, for, for three weeks, you know, and, and then all of a sudden it just becomes part of your routine. It becomes part of you. Uh, you know, it's, um, yeah, try it that way. Excellent. I think I'm, I've gotten everything out that I had. Uh, Martin, you got anything else? Uh, no, that's, that's excellent. You know, we always talk in the military about, you know, we spend our days making big rocks and the little rocks. So mm-hmm. that brought back some memories there. So the one question I have is, uh, are, you, are you still doing your band? Yeah. You know, uh, living in California, one of the things that we do have is, uh, state income tax and it's nothing to sneeze, take a sneeze about. So my singer in the chronic Padres, uh, moved to Miami to, to avoid a state income tax. So it has impacted our gig schedule uh, tremendously. We, we bill ourselves as the uh, Bay area happy hour house band. You know, uh, I'm 59. I'll be turning 60 uh, shortly. And, uh, you know, long gone for me is the desire to start a set at 10 o'clock at night, <laughs> you know, to haul in a whole bunch of gear and to, to start at 10, end at two, uh, pack everything up, help the drummer pack up and get home. And, and, uh, and then, you know, the next day shot, you know, at my age, you know, when I was younger, you know, hair metal warrior, whatever, you know, it's, you know, I, two hours sleep, I'm fine. Uh, let's go. Um, so, uh, about 10 years ago, I went to him and said, Hey, Scott, I got this other, I got this new idea. <laughs> no drummer, no bass player, no real equipment, two guys, two acoustic guitars stripped down 25 minutes, set up 25 minute tear down. We work happy hours, breweries, wineries, uh, things like that. Easy setup, easy tear down. We're, we're home by eight o'clock or <laughs> whatever, you know, and uh, he's like, yeah, that's cool. So, you know, that's, that's our, our ethos. You know, we are a, um, we're a winery and a brewery band, a happy hour band, you know, we've got all these areas, people sitting on them, you know, beer gardens, you know, patios and stuff like that. And so we take, um, we take, we have originals, but I got to tell you, we tend to shy away from playing originals um, because people usually when they're sipping their wine or beer, don't want to hear a bunch of chronic Padres or Ray Hartchin originals. They much rather, you know, hear Florida Georgia line or Van Halen or, or something like that. So we, we take the songs that we love and just strip them down to their bare essentials. Really it's uh, it's an, the inspiration is MTV unplugged episodes from like, you know, the nineties yeah. or whatever, you know, those are like, what's the, you know, that their Nirvana episode of Nirvana, Nelson Chains, right. You know, those are, those are timeless classics. And so, yeah, you know, we do Alice in Chains unplugged. We do Nirvana unplugged and people are like, Hey man, that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, to your point, Paul, about, you don't think you sing very well. I don't think I sing very well either, but here's my clue for singing. I like to sing songs made famous by women because nobody has any expectations whatsoever. <laughs> so like I'll rip through Dolly Parton's Jolene, you know, people are like, people dig it because like, what's a, what's a 59 year old singing a dude singing uh, Jolene supposed to sound like, it's probably supposed to sound like that. Yeah. All right. That was pretty good. So, you know, I'll do a Lady Gaga song, uh, Miranda Lambert uh, or something like that, because the expectations, you know, you know, if, if a woman gets up and tries to sing Whitney Houston, that's a ridiculous idea. But if a guy gets up and tries to sing Whitney Houston, that's, that's an awesome idea. Way to go. <laughs> way, to, way to give it the old college try. So uh, try that. The next time you're forced into a karaoke, Paul, just like, you know what? I'm going to do, I'm going to take Ray's advice. I want to take a song popularized by women. I want to do it my way. Yeah. Right. I'll do Katy Perry. I kissed a girl. That one's pretty easy. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's a great idea. I want to <laughs> integrate that into the set. So, Have you-, you know, uh, so Martin, to, to ask your question, we're doing a lot less gigs now, uh, but uh, I'm writing a lot of music. Hopefully um, we've got a, a chronic Padres EP that needs to be produced. And I've got a solo EP uh, that uh, needs to be produced well. I'm just trying to, you know, I've got two producers I work with and uh, trying to get time on their schedule and trying to get budget. Um, you know, the, the cool thing is that, uh, these days, you don't need that much budget uh, to produce a song. Back in the day, you did. You know, back in the day when you needed to go to a very dedicated studio, but now, you know, my office can be a studio, uh, but, uh, you, know, you know, literally the two producers I work with have, you, you wouldn't think that they're studios when you walk into these industrialized type of buildings. And, uh, but yeah, you know, you go in there and you can you know, get a song, you know, done, you know, between $500 and $1,000. So it's not, not that much anymore. If you, ever got, you guys ever want to produce an album, uh, it's, it's right there. But it's, it is still enough to look over at my wife, go, hey, honey, you know, I want to spend 
$3,500 on producing an EP or whatever. And she's like, yeah, I'd like to have $3,500 to go to Mexico or whatever. <laughs> so um, what are you going to do? Which one's the big rock, fellas? Which one's the big rock? Got to figure that one out. My favorite story about that is the Oliver Anthony music. Half those songs that he's making a ton of money on Spotify, he recorded on his iPhone. It's just, yeah. it's the song. It's the song that sells. Yeah. It's not the, it's not the recording quality. I've actually, you know, I've actually thought about that of posting some songs that I've just captured. Where is, uh, you know, I've got this, uh, you know, these, this, you know, cool portable recorder. Yeah. It's like yep. a bootlegger's dream, you know? And, uh, and I'm thinking like, uh, I'm asking your opinion, fellas. How would you like to listen to a demo as opposed to, you know, like a polished thing, just a, a demo scratch. I mean, if you, if you see a lot of the musicians that are, that are kind of making it now, that's, that's where they started. They started with, they're, they're posting, you know, they're singing into their phone. They're playing guitar into their yeah. phone. You know, even to look at Zach Bryan, who now sells out giant arenas, he, all of his early stuff, he's literally sitting on the back of his pickup truck and somebody's recording with his phone while he's singing these songs. Like it's, it's, yeah, that's a, it's the song that it's the song that, 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 um, revelates revelates that's not the right word it's the song that resonates, resonates with the individuals yeah. more than it is the you know the the quality i uh you you have inspired me man one day i'm going to put up this song i wrote in honor of my mother and that day is going to be by the end of this month i'm gonna do a scratch track and uh, put it up and uh and so thank yeah. you paul <laughs> I, have, I appreciate the gift that you've just given me about punching today in the face and uh, instead of making this, uh, you know, perfect, uh, you know, professionally mastered uh, thing, ch check my Spotify account by the end Man. of the month. You hold me to this. People love, and, people uh, love raw. People love raw and I'm people love real. That, yeah. I'm just going to put, uh, in fact, I'm going to put that parenthetically in the title. I, I forget the title of the song. It's weird. I, I am the worst guy in music trivia. You know, it's like, oh, you look at Ray. He's a musician. You're, oh, oh, we'll kick ass. We're going to win this. You know, I'm like, dudes, you know, it's like, what, what's the name of the song? I don't know. I know the song. We play it in our gigs. I know Green Day's done it. Can't tell you what the title is. Um, here it is. It's a I wrote this song for my mom, and uh, I can't remember the title. It might be Dear Mama, Oh Mama. Uh, I don't know. But uh, uh, thank you for the gift of telling me that it's okay to put up like, just a raw demo. I'm going to put it parenthetically. Title, demo, and, uh, and we'll see if it resonates with people. Uh, who knows? But thank you. Thank you for that gift. Appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Excellent. Glad we were able to give you something, too. Uh, you give me more. I, I appreciate the opportunity chatting with you folks. You know, I, I love what you're doing. I, I do love what you're saying. You know, these, these four pillars, I, I don't need to emphasize it more. You do it every episode, your, your audience hears it, but you know, you, you got to take care of yourself and you got to, you know, I think be able to have that introspective moment to know where you need help. <clears throat> can you help yourself and, and what can you do with your tribe to, to get the help where you need it? Right. You know, it's like, and sometimes it's, you know, being comfortable with that vulnerability, you know, it's like, it's okay to cop your place, man. And a lot of times men don't do this very well. Women sometimes do it much better, but it's like, man, I, I just need to vent. I need, I need, I need someone to listen to me. Right. You know, and sometimes people need people to listen to so much that they're willing to pay them a couple hundred dollars an hour, lay down on the couch. And uh, just because someone is actively listening. Right. And so, you know, <clears throat> identify from yourself. If, that, if that's what you need for, you know, reach out and try to get that help. Or maybe you can help yourself. You know, maybe you can, that trip to the gym can help you with your, you know, mental uh, well-being, you know, your emotional well-being, your spiritual well-being. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to talk to your priest, your clergyman, and just sit in a church, man. I, I love Northern Italy. And uh, I, uh, one of the things I love to do is just pop into a, a church and just sit there. I, I am not a religious uh, guy as more opposed to a spiritual guy. I grew up in the Episcopalian church, uh, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things in organized religion that, that I, don't, I don't like. But, and, and when you walk into an 800-year-old cathedral in, in Northern Italy, you are walking into organized religion. But there's still a, like a spiritual component just like sitting in the church and just like feeling, uh, just like opening yourself up like a radio uh, receiver. And like just what are the things coming into you, uh, right? You know, and uh, given a moment of, of introspective. But, you know, whatever that, that lever is, that, that you can use to in a synergistic effort uh, to that to leverage uh, to lift those other levels up and take advantage of that recognize that in your head uh, do it and sometimes we need help from our brother reach out you know, like I need a helping hand or you know if you can recognize this in, into your tribe members what can I do to lend a helping hand for somebody else how can I reach back and say here I'm, I'm showing the way 
come along with me, pull them forward. Uh, so I love what you guys are doing. Keep it up, man. And I so much appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. Thank you so much. Why don't you give everybody your, how they find you and if they want to donate to the cause, where they go to do that? Yeah, my, uh, my name is Ray Harchin. Uh, all my social uh, accounts are my name, Ray Harchin, including my website, rayharchin.com, R-A-Y-H-A-R-T-J-E-N. You know, if you want to, uh, if you, if you want to buy a book, that's one way of, uh, approach, uh, of, uh, of helping the cause. Uh, just, uh, or, or, or if you don't want to write the, 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 a book, the cause that is important to me is the cause that is important to you. You know, for me, it's Multiple Melanoma Research Foundation, you know, and if, if you want to donate money to the Multiple Melanoma Research Foundation, fantastic. Uh, but, you know, if, if you've got something else, do that. Uh, you know, like I said, you know, find your passion, find the thing that interests you the most. You know, maybe you know somebody with, uh, with a, a, a condition. Maybe there's, you know, somebody to honor in your family, in your tribe. Uh, um, and, you know, don't donate your time. It doesn't have to be money. Donate your time uh, there. Uh, like, like I said, man, we're, we're all in this together. Uh, we, we need to help our brothers and sisters out as we can. And just, you know, being, having that willing, giving uh, mindset, I think, uh, uh, goes a long way. Awesome. I think that's a wrap. 